Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Great evening so far, eh? So now we're going to have the word of God and I'm going to invite Jossop and he's going to preach on the character of God and what that might mean to us. So come on, Joss, let's get you up. He's still writing his sermon. (laughs) I was like, yeah, woo, one more time. I'm trying to get my thing, my phone not to switch off. Brilliant. Good evening. Um, it's so great to gather with family and uh, I'm looking forward to this evening thank you for your prayers good word Rod of the men come on so this evening um, we're going to be dancing around a little bit often I tend to I'm just sorting myself out up here this looks like a right mess, doesn't it? But if I don't do this, you guys are going to regret it because I'll be totally lost. And if I don't have a clue, then I'll just thought, like, go off down some rabbit warren and we'll be here till Tuesday. So, um... <laughs> this evening's message, if you're taking notes and stuff, is going to be, um, or it is called, and it will make sense, Constantly Kind constantly kind relationships are tricky right in fact I think we'd probably all agree that relationships are the trickiest thing they're the trickiest thing in our life Um, there's nothing I think that comes close to dealing with relationships whatever those relationships are whether it be a spouse partner uh, child family, friends, a boss, (laughs) whatever it is, there's um, relationships of different types and whatever angst we have or joy we have, often it's connected in some way to a relationship. And how we relate, how we interact is based on who they are. And more than that, it's based on what we think about them or who we think they are. Do you know what I mean? If you want to be vulnerable and share secrets, it's going to be with somebody you're going to talk to and have that relationship with somebody who you trust. If it's somebody who you don't really trust, there's probably no chance that you're going to be vulnerable or open, right? If you're going to share joy, if something great's happened and you want to just tell somebody, you don't want to speak to one of those sort of joy sponges, do you? (laughs) You know those sort of people that just suck the joy out of everything. You're like having a great day and you like see them and you're like, actually, yeah, pass the razor blades. It's terrible. Um, You don't want to tell one of those sorts of people. You want to tell somebody who reflects joy. You think, you know, I enjoy telling this telling this type of person I'm thinking oh something good's happened I'm going to phone such and such I'm going to text such and such because they're going to reflect joy they're just going to be excited for me same when we're sad 
when we're sad, we look for people who we know in the way that they relate, in who they are, so that they're going to have empathy, so that they're going to have care, love, so that they're not going to spend the next half an hour telling you how they've had something worse happen to them. And <laughs> yeah, I'm probably guilty of that sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but you know what I mean, don't you? It's important how we think about something, how we think about someone. And I guess the question is that, you know, I don't know what you think about, but it is important what you think about when you think about God, Father God. What you think about when you think about God matters. Because how you relate in that relationship is purely built on what you think they're like. Yeah? Just in the same way as, as any other relationship. So tonight, we're going to have a little look at what does the character of God look like? What is God like? Today's Father's Day, as has been said already. And I know for lots of us, that will mean different things purely based on what I've already said. Uh, you know, what your father is like if they're living still. They might be pain because they're not. They might be pain because you wish that they weren't. Um, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes good, sometimes bad. I, I was adopted. Um, my uh, adopted dad, he was a very loving, very loving, very kind. But he was also a Jekyll and Hyde. He was unpredictable to say the least my house was one where you would sort of it could be very good but then there'd be a lot of times where you'd be just stepping on eggshells constantly looking out for trouble trying to sort of sort out my little sisters because you knew what was about to kick off if they didn't shut up um, or whatever my dad was very violent um, you know knocked me around a lot of my mum and so that has an impact, doesn't it? It has an impact then on how you relate. How do we think about people? As I say, my dad, loving, lots of great things, lots of great things, but sadly very unpredictable. Certainly when he was younger, he's found Jesus, and thank the Lord, he's very, very different. Um, but that was certainly my, um, my youth and my, my childhood. And I know for me, five years ago, like my life was down in the pan. I ain't got time to tell you all about it. That, that's like an entire film. But um, it was, it was, I was in the gutter. And what sort of came back and reflected from my family was one of disappointment, sure. But was a lack, you know, when I needed them, they didn't come and visit. Um, I needed somewhere to stay. I ended up living in a car for a few months. And um, they said that I wasn't welcome at home. And, and a whole bunch of these types of things and it sort of it then changes how you relate and I know there'll be people in this room who have got stories of relationships where their parents or, or siblings or maybe uh, husband, wife, spouse, partner where things have been difficult and it changes how you relate the character of the person changes how we relate to them and so it's an important thing, and it was an important thing for people in the Bible when they started following God. When they started following this God who started to call himself Yahweh, and who is this God? What is he like? It's an important thing to know. And so we have 
um, this um, interactions. And one of the most important interactions in the Bible is one that happens with a chap called Moses. And um, what's good about uh, <laughs> what's good about um, God is that he's actually written an autobiography. So um, we do get to find out about him, and we're going to use that. It's called the Bible. So that's where we're going to uh, turn. And this um, book that he's written about himself, using other people, is how we find out mostly about God. And so. Uh, we're going to jump into this thing with Moses. Moses was a man of significance in the Old Testament, so thousands of years ago. If you've ever seen Prince of Egypt, anyone seen the Disney film Prince of Egypt? Okay, you've got a sort of rough idea. It's not brilliant, but it's not bad. So it gives you a pretty broad brushstrokes of what was going on uh, with some of, and some of the Hollywood films. In fact, there's a Hollywood film called The Exodus, I think. That's quite good. Um, anyway, so Moses has led the people of Israel who were in captivity in Egypt. He's led them out, and they're off. Um, into uh, to, on a journey to what's called the promised land. They're, they're on a journey to this place that God has set apart for his people. And um, they're given these things called the Ten Commandments, which you've probably heard of, uh, Exodus 20. And then um, as Moses is up this mountain, getting given them tablets of, uh, with these Ten Commandments on, he comes down and the Israelites, which are the people of God, are up to absolutely no good. And they're worshipping this golden calf they've made, which they sort of boiled up out of some bits of jewelry and, and then they were bowing down to it as if it was a god and so um, rightly Moses goes absolutely nuts um, smashes the tablets up goes absolutely mad at everybody you can just picture it it would have just been like this like abs I, I sort of got this version of Moses like guy with a beard but you know just it would have just been absolutely like yeah just start raving mad um, and um, and that's where we get to when suddenly Moses starts talking to God. He's like, I'm, I'm annoyed with these people. God's like, I'm even more annoyed at these people. But, <laughs> but he clearly loves them. He clearly loves us. And so there's then this story of like, okay, so it says that Moses puts this tent up. It called it the tent of meeting because, as you probably guessed, clues in the name is where he goes and meets with God, has this conversation. Like it says that he talks face to face. And we're getting in towards Exodus 33. And then as he's talking face to face to God it's quite I think it's quite funny because then he says I want to know you he says show me your glory Exodus 33 he says show me your glory you ever found that you sort of had a little conversation with somebody a little chat and you think I didn't know them before I didn't really know them but that's kind of that's kind of got me a little bit I want to get to know them more you know, I, I really want to get to know their story. I want to understand a bit more about who they are and how they tick. That's kind of what was happening here with Moses. So he'd have these conversations with God. And you can see he's like, I want to get to know God better. You can think you know sometimes. A friend of mine was at a funeral this, um, this last week, and um, they said that what was, it was sad, but one of the things that was lovely about it is that hearing all the other people's thoughts and opinions about them and thinking well I didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't see that I didn't know I, you know they realized they had such a small view and so the there's something wonderful about getting to know somebody better and so Moses says basically when he says show me your glory what he's saying is I want to see the unveiled God I want to see all of you I want to see I want to get the full picture of who you are I want to understand your character your ways I want to get you 
if I'm going to follow and if I'm going to lead these people to follow, I want to know who you are. And so Exodus uh, 33, we get this unveiling. And uh, he asks God to show him his glory and God replies and says, Exodus 33, 19, he says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. In other words, he sort of already primes the pump. God's good at this. He does this throughout his entire autobiography. He does this throughout the entire Bible. He sort of like tells you what he's going to do and tells you what he's going to say, and then he says it. It's quite cool. Um, just in case you're a bit slow like me, you get a few opportunities to get it. Um, so that's what he's doing here. He's saying, this is what you're going to see when, I, when you see me. You're going to see goodness. You're going to see compassion and mercy. So the next chapter, Exodus 34, this happens. The Lord passes Moses. He picks him up and he shields him and says, you can't see my face, but you'll see me go past. And Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7, it says, he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. What a, what a, what a mad situation. You sort of ask to see God and what you see is his attributes. He didn't say he's only six foot four and he's got dark hair and blue. Do you know what I mean? You, you see God and you see goodness. You see compassion. You see that he's slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. What we're hearing basically is the introduction. This is the grand introduction of the character of who God is in the Bible. This is the main, this is probably the biggest most, one of the most important introductions before we then um, see Jesus and see God in human form. This is probably the most important one because it, it's then replicated and repeated the same sort of phrasing throughout the entire Bible. He's saying, I'm not like all the other types of gods. There's lots of other gods, small g around. You know, those guys fly off on a handle, thunderbolts, buzzing everywhere. You know, you just have to not catch them on the wrong day. Zap! Whatever. <laughs> sort of like bewitch you and make you do weird stuff you know that's the sort of gods that people were afraid of you know they were you know slicing themselves up sacrificing children all manner of craziness you know it, that, that was the world that this was happening and so when God revealed himself he revealed himself as basically saying nothing like <laughs> nothing like those are the gods now um, are you okay if I teach you a few things Okay, so this um, Exodus 34, 6, what we have is these two words in Hebrew. And um, it's actually, they appear at the end of, 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 of verse 6. And these are, I hope, words that you will remember all your life. There you are. Hopefully that's made a little mental. Um, all your life. The first word is chesed. You'll see it written H. E-S-E-D or C-H-E-S-E-D Chesed you sort of you know if you sort of like want to yeah so you do that but you say H at the same time Chesed 
hesed, hesed. And that is a word that means love, compassion, kindness, mercy. You often hear me say actually a phrase, I say it quite a lot, God's kind. That's actually because the word hesed is actually used for kindness more than any other any other um, translation in the Bible. It's used for kindness mostly. God is kind. The other word is emet, or emeth, actually. And, um, and that word means true, steadfast, faithful, consistent, essentially. Continual. So when it says that he is chesed emeth, then he is steadfast in his love. That he is consistently compassionate. That he is constantly kind. When God reveals himself, that's how he describes himself. So every situation and everything we ever face in life, we can know when we think about God, he is, what is God like? He is constantly kind. He is hesed, emeth. He is constantly kind. Not like my dad who was unpredictable, loving one time, you know, smacking you around the head the next. This isn't our God. This isn't our Father in heaven. He is constantly kind. Now that, I think sometimes we struggle then when, in terms of how we interact and relate to God. The struggles come with the things that happen in life. Sometimes life's great, sometimes it's really pants. And we're like, oh, is God still good? Because <laughs> it doesn't feel like it today. And so, you know, um, you have this sort of question, is God good? And so here's a few thing, thoughts on, on, on what happens there. <clears throat> when it doesn't feel that way, that he's constantly kind. The first reason that you know may happen is uh, when we face problems is because we've done something wrong. This isn't the main reason, I would say, which is why I'm saying it first. I don't think it's the main reason. We'll come to the main reasons next. But sometimes we've just been stupid. Sin. You know, if you're doing daft stuff, sometimes bad things happen as a result, as a natural result. I'm, you know, I've, I've found plenty of those out. You know, I can tell you millions of ways to, you know, wreck your life by doing the wrong thing. Um, but also, sometimes God is actually telling you off. You know, if India does something wrong, sometimes I've got to say, uh, no. And when she says something else, I'll say, no, no. Uh, you know, and, and then there's a bit of discipline, right? You're going to have to go sit on the noise step or whatever. And so um, God, it says, he disciplines the ones he loves. In Hebrews 12, it says, he disciplines the ones he loves. There's times in my life when I've re- literally heard God say, right, you're benched. <laughs> you've been bad you know you're on your sin bin you're benched for a while and it's been good for me it's been for my betterment because this is the important thing he is hesed emeth he is constantly kind he's always good loving and compassionate steadfast in his love and so everything even discipline always is motivated by love always motivated by love The naughty step's only ever temporary. It's only for our betterment. 
The second thing is sometimes things go wrong in life and it doesn't feel like we're, we're, we're sort of vibing with God and that God isn't maybe as good as we think because other stuff has happened. Maybe other people have sinned. Other people's sin is in, impacting me. One of the biggest lies, actually, of our society is this sort of idea that you can do your own thing as long as you're not hurting anyone else. It's a total lie of the enemy. It's total nonsense. Sin always spills out. Always. So it's just a total fact. Always spills out. So it might not even be your fault. And something will impact your life. People can gossip. People can whatever. It can cause pain and hurt. People can be sleeping around and cause pain and hurt with a lie that it's safe sex or something stupid. <laughs> Pull the other one. That's ridiculous, isn't it? People's hearts get torn to bits. And so it's sometimes that that causes problems. And then God gets upset and annoyed because our sin and other people's sin affect other sons and daughters. Remember, we're all made in his image. He is the father, and the story of the Bible is a dad who's trying to get his family back. That's the, if you want me to narrow it down to just one single phrase, the story of the Bible is a dad getting his family back, that when things go wrong and other kids are hurt, dad's annoyed because his kids are getting hurt. Right? Sin spills out and affects other sons and daughters. And so sometimes those are multiple different things and we end up flat on our face. Sometimes it's just the fact we're in a broken world. It's not necessarily the result of someone else's direct sin or my own stupidity and sin or, or whatever. It can just be just random. Just we're in a broken world and things go absolutely wrong sometimes. Tragedy happens, whatever it is. And, some, and we're left adrift flat on our face whatever it is we're tripped up whether we trip ourselves we're tripped or we just stumble over something random the result is very often we end up flat on our face and wondering where's God where's God in this is he really is he really can I trust that is he really kind is he really, as Claire said, close to the broken hide? Does he really comfort those who mourn? The truth is that he's a father who wants us to win the race. <clears throat> we heard a great message this morning about winning the race, running a race, not letting things impede us and get in our way and not getting out of our lane but running a race with purpose. And so he wants us to run the race. There's a great poem, I'll read it to you. It's, a, it's about running a race and the relationship uh, between a dad and his son. And it says, whenever I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. A children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win that race, or tie for first, or if not that, at least not, at least maybe second place. Their parents watched from off the side, each cheering for their son, and each boy hoped to show his folks that he would be the one. 
The whistle blew and off they flew like chariots of fire. To win, to be the hero there was each young boy's desire. One boy in particular whose dad was in the crowd was running in the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as he speeded down the field and crossed a shallow dip, the little boy who thought he'd win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his arms flew every place and amidst the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. And as he fell, his hope fell too. He couldn't win it now. Humiliated, he just wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, which to the boy so clearly said, get up and win that race. He quickly rose, no damage done behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his mind and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win. His mind went faster than his legs. He slipped and fell again. He wished that he'd quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. But through the laughing crowd, he searched and found his father's face with a steady look that said again, get up and win that race. So he jumped up to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm going to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to run real fast. Exceeding everything he had, he regained eight, then 10. But trying hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeated, he lay there silently. A tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense running anymore. Three strikes, I'm out, my try. I've lost, so what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. You haven't lost at all. For every, for all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. Get up, the echo urged him on. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win that race. So up he rose, run and run once more, refusing to forfeit. And he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others, now the most he'd ever been. Still, he gave it all he had and ran like he could win. Three times he'd fallen stumbling, three times he rose again. Too far behind to hope to win, he still ran to the end. They cheered another boy who crossed the line and won first place. Head held high, proud and happy. No falling, no disgrace. But when the uh, fallen youngster crossed the line in last place, the crowd gave him a greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And now when things seem dark and bleak and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my own race. For all of life is like that race with ups and downs and all. And all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. And when depression, despair shouts loudly in my face, my father's voice within me says, get up and win the race. What a lovely poem. We have a father in heaven. He is kind, consistently kind. He's aware of the challenges, the, 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 the issues we face, whether it's our own stupidity or somebody else's or just bad luck. And he wills, as always, to get up and continue the race.
to keep leaning on his constant kindness. He is Hesed Emeth. And this is a lovely poem, and it's a and it's a, one that I think reflects some of what it is for God's heart towards us, but it also reflects probably most fathers' hearts. But actually our God doesn't just shout from the sidelines. Our God comes running. He doesn't stay in the, in the bleachers and yell, get up. He doesn't just will us on. He runs towards us. There's a beautiful picture in the New Testament. And uh, you'll find it in Luke, which I should have noted on here. I want to say it's 15. It might not be 15. Thank you. Uh, Luke 15, which um, is a story that Jesus told to give meaning to what it is, this hesed of God, this compassionate, this consistent kindness, this love. And so he told a story of the prodigal son about a boy who's left his father with half of the estate. He demanded the money, his inheritance, set off for wild living, ended up in a right old state and uh, decided it's, you know, even my dad's servants have it better. I'll grovel back and maybe he'll take me on as a hired hand. And so he's making his way back, having disgraced himself. And um, if I can find 15. And it's a beautiful thing. And it says, um, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Hesed for him he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him our God runs towards us in his love his love his steadfast love runs towards you how you relate to God totally depends on how you think about God He is always loving. He is abounding in love. He is slow to anger. And when he gets angry, it's because he's motivated by love. He wants the best for us. But he's consistent. He's predictable. He is constantly kind. And he doesn't just run towards us but I want you to picture that he runs towards us with arms that are pinned open that's love for God so loved he declared who he was that he was constantly kind compassionate and loving we get this story of this father who runs to find and go and get his son when his son's done all the wrong stuff and he runs towards him he doesn't wait he isn't waiting to tell him off and then we see the ultimate act of this demonstrated with arms wide open for us nailed open that's love 
No greater love is there than a man lays down his life for his friends, Jesus said. This is what love looks like. It's constant kindness. It's long-suffering. It's slow to anger. Church, when you want to talk to your Father in heaven, can I ask that from this moment onwards for the rest of your life that you have those two words in your head Chesed Emeth my father he is constantly kind he is so excited to talk to you he is so in love with you whether right now you feel like you're flat on your face or you're like walking on cloud nine and everything's Haribo and rainbows that's just me Haribo probably but anyway it's my idea of heaven Haribo everywhere anyway um, he loves you steadfastly unrelentingly and so when you need something when whatever's happening in life you can turn to him and know his character everything comes from that everything he's never shocked you don't you know you don't go he doesn't go oh I didn't see that coming <laughs> he's your dad and just wants you to talk to him openly and so we have the final picture of him his son given who jointly with the father is there saying yeah forgive them they don't know what they're doing I think what would be nice is if we have some time to sing Claire's chosen a really wonderful song which talks about his goodness running after us and it's running after me it's running after you how you feel about God or what you think about when you think about God matters because it will change and it will direct everything you do in your faith how you act when you've messed up do you run to or from when you know he's constantly kind that he loves you then you run to you don't run from when things hurt you don't say oh man this is your fault you think I know it's not your fault you're constantly kind but I know you're going to care for me when things hurt. So we're just going to have a time. Let's sing this. Let's remind ourselves of who he is. Let's let it bed in that he is chesed emeth, that he is steadfastly good, steadfastly loving, constantly kind.